Um, are you excited to hear what God has to say to you this morning? How many believe like when you come to church, how many, quick show of hands, how many believe when you come to church, God wants to speak to you, he wants to say something to you? I hope that you do. Um, I wanna encourage you, if you've never really thought about it that way, I wanna encourage you to do that. Just set your expectations when you step into a moment like we're having here this morning, that hey, hey God, I know you've got something for me. I'm not just attending church to check it off of my, my good Christian to-do list. You have something for me. You know, we serve a relational God. He wants to be in relationship with you. I talked about this at our, our first Wednesday, and uh, this is not part of my notes this morning, but I just feel like I need, might need to help a couple people with this this morning. Um, I, I want you just to imagine, y'all, if you heard me say this on first Wednesday, just laugh, give me a pity laugh, okay, because it won't be new to you. I just, I, I want you to imagine uh, that you're that you're on a date with your, with your spouse, or if you're single, you're on a date with somebody that you're trying to get to know. I remember, I remember the first couple dates I went on with Amanda. I want you to imagine you're on a date with somebody and you, you, like, you like them, you're trying to get to know them, or, or they're trying to get to know you. And, and I want you to imagine that you're sitting there at the date and all of a sudden the person on the other side of the table reaches into their pocket or their purse or whatever, and they're just like, oh, just hold on one second. I just, hold on. And they pull out a sheet of paper and they unfold it, right? And then they pull out like, maybe like a Sharpie. And imagine that they were like reading off the piece of paper and they're like, say hello. Hi, check. Ask how their day was. How was your day? Check. Find something to compliment. You have nice eyebrows. You may, how many know, like, that's, that's a one-time only date, right? Like, it's not, it's not going, and I think, you know, you know how many times we're just so prone to approach God that way? Like, with a checklist? Like, go to church, read my Bible, say a prayer. Can I tell you, God does not want a checklist relationship with you. He wants a real relationship with you. He wants a real relationship with you. And so I want, I want, you, to have, I want you to set the, ex, if you haven't done it this morning, just take, take a second right there where you're at and just go ahead and set the expectation in your heart. Hey, God. You're going to talk to me today. You have something for me today. And um, I think when we do that, we get so much more out of moments like this because uh, he's not a checklist God. He's a relationship God. Amen? Amen. All right. So before I get into the scripture, I'm so excited about this, this season, this time of year in our church. And in fact, we're beginning a new series today that carries the same title as the song we just, we just sang. We, we, this time of year, we always want to turn our attention to the life and the words of Jesus as we get into the Easter seat. Can you believe we're talking about Easter already? I mean, I know it doesn't feel like spring outside because our, our weather can't make up its mind what it, what it wants to be, but uh, I'd, I'd actually, I'm like ready for, I'm ready for short sleeves actually. As much as I love a good hoodie, I know none of you know that about me. As much as I love it, I, I'm, I'm actually ready. I'm ready for some, some short sleeve weather, but the, the, the weather can't make up its mind what it, what it wants to do. So we are, we are actually headed into the Easter season and that means one of my favorite things that we get to do together as a church is our special needs Easter egg hunt, which will be Saturday, April 1st. Come on, y'all excited for this? Such a beautiful outreach that we do. And um, this is one of a handful of times every year that we encourage everyone who can to take that day and uh, just go be the hands and feet of Jesus. No strings attached. And we'll transform a large portion of this building into unique uh, Easter egg hunt environments. Uh, four children, and, and each, each environment will be based on the unique uh, needs and life experience that a child is, 
is, uh, is working through. And so uh, there'll, be, there'll be eggs that if a child's in a wheelchair or um, uh, we've, we've had egg hunt environments for hearing impaired children and just everything you can imagine, we, we try to create a, a place for that. And then we just serve these families and just let them know, hey, we love you because Jesus loves you, no, no strings attached. And so uh, we'd love it if you would be a part of that and you can sign up to serve that day at truelife.church forward slash serve team. Everybody say serve team. All right, and um, so it's gonna be a great day. And then we'll turn right around the very next weekend is Easter Sunday, everybody. Resurrection Sunday, we get to celebrate our risen Lord. And so that day we'll have one extra service to try to create some extra seating for everybody. So we'll gather at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Everybody say 8.30, say 10. Say 11.30. All right. Um, you'll start to see all of the, the kind of invite cards and digital invites out on social media that our team's going to make available over, over the next week or two here. And so I just want to encourage you to be thinking and praying about who in your life maybe doesn't have a, a, a relationship with Jesus or is not connected to a, a healthy, life-giving church. And uh, we're not a perfect church but we are a church that loves Jesus a lot and we're doing everything we can to try to be a healthy church that, that is life-giving and, and, and loves and follows Jesus with our, with our whole heart. And so I, I, I hope that you would feel completely safe and proud of your church that day, that you could invite someone. In fact, you might even need to be in multiple services that day with multiple friends or family members or neighbors who, uh, who come to Easter with you. And, um, and Easter is one of two times a year that we see the largest number of people make a decision to surrender their lives to Jesus, all right? So one of them is Christmas, but the other one is always Easter. And um, I'm just telling you, we've, we've been working hard on the day. We're going to approach Easter just a tiny bit different than what we normally do here. Our worship and creative teams are, are working on a, a really, I think, a powerful experience that we're going to have together with the Lord. And then we're going to uh, celebrate our risen Savior and invite people into relationship with him. So um, I, I want to ask you to do two things, right? So number one, I want you to pray. Pray for that weekend that God would use it uh, and, and that he would have his way. And um, come on, how many of y'all will commit to praying with me for Easter weekend? Yes, okay. Um, and then some of you are like, okay, I guess I'll check that off my list. No, 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 just go, go, to, go to God. And let's pray for that weekend. And then, um, and then I want you to think about who can I bring with me? Who should be with me? Um, at on Easter weekend, and um, you can you do whatever you want to do. Do anything short of sin to get them here. All right, you can bribe them, you can give them money, um, whatever you want to do. And we'll have some special treats for you that day. We like to celebrate Easter around here with sugar, and um, so and church calories don't count. So, right? All right, cool. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to begin this new series today as we, we just turn our hearts towards Jesus. We're, we're headed toward the Easter weekend now, and I, I just think it's so important in this time of the year to turn our hearts and our minds towards the words, the life, the teachings of Jesus, to understand who he really is and what he's done for us. And, um, and that's really the, so that's kind of the focus of the series and where we're at today and where we'll be for the next several weekends is kind of focus on the life and the words of Jesus. And I want to start with a scripture. This kind of be our, a portion of this is our theme passage for this, for this series. And, and it actually connects to the song that, that we just introduced to you that you just sang today. I don't know if you realized you were singing the Bible. 
you were singing scripture this morning. I think that's one of the most powerful forms of worship that we can have is when we come into alignment with God's word and, and worship to it and proclaim it as truth with our mouths. And um, you'll find it actually in Galatians chapter six. Now, before we get to the part you sing, I wanna show you something kind of fascinating that I saw in scripture this week. This is the book of Galatians. It's a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And he's getting towards the end of the letter now in chapter six, he's wrapping it up. And I, I don't know why this never really grabbed me like it did this week uh, before, but I, I, I caught this. As, Paul, as Paul's getting toward the end of the letter, it says, notice what large, in your Bible, it's in all caps. So that's, we copied and pasted this right out of the Bible. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. So imagine Paul writing this letter and he gets to this part of the letter and he's like, okay guys, I hope you've gotten all the stuff I've shared with you before, but I really need you to get what I'm about to say now. And he's like, so uh, he's writing in, in Greek, so I don't know what all caps looks like in Greek, but he's, he, he, uh, he takes the font size up. He clicks up and all the people with bad eyesight said, eyesight said yeah, thank you, Paul. <laughs> right, so he goes, he goes, he's writing big. Come on, anybody, any of y'all ever found yourself, maybe you, maybe you bold it, maybe you highlight it, you're writing something and you wanna make sure you get the point across? That's what Paul's doing. He's like, hey, pay attention. I'm wrapping things up. Notice the large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. And then he speaks to this issue that's going on in the church at this time. If you are an early follower of Jesus, you really could be segregated into one of two groups. Either, either you were a Jew or you were a Gentile, all right? And, and those who had come to faith in Jesus who came from the Jewish way of life, the Jewish tradition, they were kind of constantly wrestling with which pieces of the law, which pieces of Jewish tradition do we need to bring into this new system of faith, this, this Christianity, this way of following Jesus? Which of these pieces need to come with us and which don't, and then people would really get fired up about it. They'd really get, I know, I know none of us do that today. I know Christians never get fired up over, over silly things. I know that never happens, but it was happening in the early church. That was sarcasm in case you couldn't pick it up. I, I remember this. I remember like when I was younger um, in the church I grew up in, divorce was the, big, was the big hang up, all right? And so there's just, people are spending hours debating could you still serve in church or could you be in leadership or could you preach or teach or pastor uh, if you had previously been divorced? And I, was, I remember sitting there thinking like, um, do we really wanna make this harder for people to share the gospel? Like, feels like we need more uh, people sharing, the, but it became this big, depending on which denominational circles you were in, it became this big thing in the, in the late 80s and in the 90s. Lots of debate around this in the, in the church. You, you probably haven't heard anybody, you probably haven't seen anybody tweeting or, or, or posting Facebook or doing whole uh, YouTube videos on, on that doctrinal issue uh, here in 2023, but I bet you can think of two or three issues that Christians get really fired up about. And, and I think it's important for us to be very clear with truth. In fact, I'm gonna do some of that today. We owe it to the world to be clear about what the scriptures say. But, but how many know we need to be careful not to just get hung up on one or two things? Come on, somebody. Right? Like, we, we need to learn what it means to follow Jesus with our whole hearts. And, 
And what Paul is writing about here is there's a handful of people who are hung up on the Jewish tradition of circumcision. Now, if you're a child and you don't know what circumcision is, ask your parents. I'm not going to talk through that (laughs) from the platform. But there's a handful of people who are saying, if you come to faith in Jesus and you give your heart to Jesus and you become a Christian and you're a Gentile and you're not circumcised yet, you need to get circumcised. Now, how many know that is probably not a great church growth strategy? Can you imagine if we're like, who wants to give your heart to Jesus today? And people raise their hands and we lead them in a prayer and then we're like, okay, all the men who just prayed that prayer, we need you to exit to a special room in the back. We got something for you. Can you imagine? Like, one of two scenarios happens. It's a church of ladies or just we don't grow, we don't, like, we don't reach people at all. And so Paul is speaking specifically to this hang up, but really what he's speaking to is the, the bigger system of thinking that's attached with it. It's kind of what I just talked to you about, checklists versus relationship. And he says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised wanna look good to others. So they wanna look religious and smart and And they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save, which is what Paul's teaching. He's saying, like, hey, the cross is enough. Amen, everybody? The cross is enough. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. So he's like, hey, they're making a big deal out of this one issue, but they've got all these other things that they're they're, they're not handling. And they only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. So let me just say this to you. Um, I hope that you know, if you call True Life home, I don't think you belong to us or to me. Like, nobody's branding you with the True Life leaf on your way out today. Right? You belong to Jesus. People belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And so, uh, do we have some, some things that we believe that that means? Absolutely. Are we going to teach those? Absolutely. But we don't want to become checklist people. We don't want to become hyper-religious. We don't want to major on the things that shouldn't be majored on. And especially not just so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look at all the people who come to our church and do it our way. And Paul's saying, hey, that's what you're dealing with here. These people aren't really about Jesus. They're about themselves. So Paul says, hey, as for me, and here's what you just sang, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. How many know the cross is enough? It's enough. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. And so for the next several weeks as we look toward Easter, this is what we wanna do. We wanna brag on Jesus. We want to boast about Jesus and who he is and what he said and what he's teaching us and the life that he's calling us to. And we want to make sure that it doesn't become too much about me and my thing and my feelings and just who who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What what does he have for us? So today as we begin that journey, I want to bring your attention to one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible It is one of 13 times 
in the writings of John. So there's a guy named John who wrote a couple of books in your Bible. You probably can guess the first one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Some of you are like, I don't know. So I'm going to give you another chance. It's John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, those are the first four books in the New Testament of your Bible. It's what we call the Gospels. They focus on the life of Jesus. And then John is also responsible for later on, he had a, a vision, a dream from the Lord, and he records all of it in the very last book in your Bible that is called Revelation. In fact, I just saw a pastor uh, who, who did a, a message called Revelation in One Hour. I was like, how in the world did he do that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to do that today. So John records uh, the life of Jesus in the book of John. He's also responsible for the book of Revelation. And across those two books, he records what, what we call 13 I am statements of Jesus. So these are times where Jesus descri- describes his own characteristics, his own personality, who he is, his own deity, and, and, and he makes these I am statements 13 times across the book of John and the book of Revelation. And one of them happens in, one of my favorite ones happens in John chapter 14. And let me just give you a little bit of backstory. Jesus is talking to his followers. He's talking to his disciples. And he's explaining that he's going to leave. Which I, I would imagine as a, one of the early followers of Jesus, as one of his disciples, probably could have been terrifying. I mean, I don't know. But I always try to imagine what, what's the human side of this conversation? What are the disciples feeling in this moment, and Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna go away. He, he actually says, I'm going to my father's house, and I'm gonna prepare a place for you there, uh, which is actually, it's, he's speaking in metaphors that the, the hearers of that would have understood is the tradition for a wedding. So in, in the Nazarite culture, you would, a, a husband, when he gets ready to marry someone, would actually go back to his father's house and prepare and build an addition on the house for his bride to come. And so the hearers would have been like, why is he using like marriage language with us? Which kind of makes sense, right? Because the church is the bride of Christ. So he's using this, this language, but he's like, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, don't worry, you know how to get there. And then Thomas pipes up, and I love Thomas. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. How many of y'all know Thomas' nickname? What is it? It is Doubting. Doubting Thomas. I hate that. I really do hate that. Because, and we get that nickname for him because when Jesus comes back from the grave, Thomas is the one that was like, I don't know. I need, to, I need to feel the holes in your hands and your feet. I need to see where you were stuck in the side with a spear to be sure it's you, Jesus. And so I don't, I don't like that we gave him that nickname. I think Thomas is like, I just need to put my hands on it. I need to experience it. I need to really understand. Thomas is a details guy. Like, I'm not a details person. I don't like, I, I don't, I don't like to get too far in the weeds on, on different things. Um, the, my team who works with me knows this, because sometimes we'll, we'll walk into a staff meeting and they'll be like, hey, what should we do about blah, blah, blah? And I'll be like, what do you want to do? You, 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 my, now, I married a details person. All the, bill, all the bills are paid on time. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right? But I, I prefer to live up here at like the 30,000 or 50,000 foot the view. That's, that's where I, I feel like I'm in my best place. But Thomas, Thomas details. 
So Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go prepare this place for you. He's, re- he's really talking about eternity. He's talking about heaven. And he says, and you all know how to get there. And Thomas just goes, uh, actually, Jesus, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know how to get where you're going. I don't understand. Can you, I imagine Thomas like handing him a piece of paper or something. Can you just write down like directions? Can you just tell us where, where to go? And Jesus responds to Thomas' request with this. So Jesus says, you know where to go. And Thomas goes, no, I don't. I don't know the way to where you're going. And Jesus says, I am the way. Like, hey, Thomas, you do know the way because you know me. And I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. No one can come to the Father, significant because he's talking about being at his Father's house, except through me. This is why in the, in the Christian faith, we believe good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Some of you are like, uh, hold on, could you repeat that? For real. So all that time you're spending trying to figure out if you're a good person or not, um, there's a guy in our Bible who's pretty good like he was pretty good he's a prophet and he says all my righteousness is like filthy rags before God so your goodness is not really the qualifier it's do you know the way the truth and the life in the person of Jesus good people don't go to heaven saved people go to heaven some of you are still like I'm not amening that it's the truth, though. It's the truth. That's why, that's why the cross is so powerful. It's a wonderful, beautiful, amazing act of grace and mercy. That's why Jesus, as he's dying on the cross, turns to the thief next to him who says, hey, Jesus, is there any way I can join you in paradise today? And with his final breath, he gets to go into heaven, having done nothing to redeem his life or his story at all. I, I hope that gives you some hope today, everybody. I hope that gives you a little, little joy, a little peace in your heart. Because some of y'all are going to mess up today. Some of y'all aren't even going to make it home without giving sign language to somebody in traffic. You are not going to be good. You're going to do something bad. Jesus says, I am the way. Everybody say the way. The The truth truth. and the life. Okay, so here's what I thought we would do today because I figure if you come to church on Time Change Sunday, you're for real. You you really want to be here. Amen? All right. And so I thought, let's go just a little, let's go a little further than maybe we would normally go on a Sunday. Let's let's learn some, some of the Bible language. I think when you're trying to study the Bible... If I could just give you like a, a crash course in Bible study, what you really want to try to do if you're serious about understanding the scriptures is you want to try to understand how, how was this originally written, what language was being used, who was it written to, like what's the context, and what would this have meant to the original hearers? And when you combine those things, you can pull out the divine truth that applies to you today. Because how many know... The context of what John is recording here as Jesus walks the earth, 
Like the world looks different there than it does today, 2023, March of 2023. Can anybody say amen? Like it's dip. We, how many know we live in a different world? So I thought it'd be fun today, since I know we're like serious, the people who are here today are really serious. What if we went ahead and did some like some Greek? What if we looked at the, what we call the lexicon and we understand the words that John was writing down as Jesus was speaking them, the, how he was recording all of this? And what if we could kind of figure out what those, what those really mean? And you know one of the reasons why there's so many different English translations for us is because interpreters and translators, are, They've done the very, very best they can, but oftentimes the Hebrew and the Greek language have, have some descriptions to them that it's hard for us to capture in a single word. And so I thought that'd be fun. Like, let's just look at these three, the way, the truth, and the life. So how many of y'all would like to feel smarter this morning? Come on, we're gonna be, you're going to be smarter. We're going to learn some Greek together. We're going to say some Greek words. And so I looked at these three words that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. I wanted to see what did he actually say and what did those words actually mean? And I think sometimes as we dig into those descriptions, they're not overly complicated, but it just helps us understand the person of Jesus and what he really wants to communicate to us. So let's look at the first one. He says, I am the way. And there it is in the Greek. And then I've put the phonetic spelling out there for you so that you know how to pronounce it. So we're gonna learn some Greek this morning. So the word way in the Greek is the word hados, hados. All right, go ahead and say it. Go say hados. Come on, don't you feel smart? Don't you? Like, I always think this is funny because I, I, didn't, I didn't do like traditional school. I'm, I'm more of a get my hands on it. Uh, get, so the way I learned ministry and did Bible college was in a local church setting, almost the way you would do a vocational school. And so I had book study and doctrine and theology but then every day we were actually doing ministry. We were doing youth ministry and, and hanging, hanging around. We were learning all the different types of ministry, like cleaning toilets and, um, and plugging in wires and setting up chairs. And y'all, y'all know that's ministry. Somebody made coffee for you this morning. That's ministry. And so we were just, I was, we were learning all of that. And I just think it's hilarious that then God picks me to plant a church in Delaware the state with the highest per capita rate of PhDs in the country. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know how to say anything to these people. And God's like, yeah, maybe that's the point so that I get all the credit. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. And so, but I do have this fancy software, this Bible software that lets me dig into the Greek and all the different meanings of things. And so this hados, I am the way, has two meanings. One is a literal meaning and the other is a metaphorical meaning. And so the literal meaning of the word is a road, a path, or a traveler's way. So Thomas says, Jesus, I'm not sure I understand. How am I going to get to where you're going? And Jesus says, I am the path. It's me. Keep your eyes and your heart on a trajectory that takes you toward me. Remember what I've taught you. Remember the life I've lived in front of you. I am the way. If you follow me, you'll end up where you're supposed to be. But what I actually find more fascinating is the metaphorical definition of the word, which is a course of conduct, a way of thinking, feeling, and acting. And so Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. That'll get you where you're supposed to be. But I'm not just going to leave it to you to, to follow me. I'm going to help you with how to follow me. 
I'm going to help you along the way. And remember, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the prophet or the law. He says, I came to what? Fulfill it. Jesus is literally the fulfillment of everything that we find in the Old Testament. And this is actually incredibly consistent with what we see as the heart of God throughout the entire narrative of Scripture. You can go all the way back to the book of Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own, what? Understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths, what? Straight. This has always been the heart of God. To help us through the journey of life to make sure that we are on a trajectory that leads us to a place of holiness and wholeness and health and ultimately heaven and eternity. Amen, everybody? You can see it in Isaiah chapter 48. In fact, this one's, this one's kind of a bummer because the Israelites had us this habit of getting off of the path and doing their own thing. And so God speaks through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along what? The paths you should follow. But they didn't. And so God says, oh, that you had listened to my commands. Then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. So what does this mean for me that Jesus is the way, that he is the, the path that I follow. Not just the path, but there's a way of conducting myself as I follow him that he is giving to me, that he is teaching me, that he, that he wants me to learn. It, it, it literally means this, that because of Christ, I have direction for my life. I have direction for my life. If you find yourself this morning feeling lost and wandering and like you don't know where you're supposed to be going and what you're supposed to be doing, can I just ask you this morning to consider turning the, the eyes of your heart toward Jesus. Make the trajectory of your life point toward Jesus. I'm just telling you that as you do that, you'll get more understanding about where you're going and what you're supposed to be doing. I like to think of it like this. Uh, quick show of hands. How many of you came to church today in something with wheels underneath of it? Truck, car, van. All right, so I, I didn't think we would have very many walkers. That's pretty much all of us. Most of us rode in some sort of automobile. Just curious, did anybody throw it in four-wheel drive and just like plow through the woods in the back and get here that way? Okay, quick show of hands. How many of you traveled on a road? Okay, yeah, so all of us. Except the ones that were like, I hate it when they do this hand-raising thing. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I'm not offended, it's fine. I think you're a little uptight, but I'm not offended. All right, so. <laughs> so you, you traveled on a road. I, you probably weren't paying attention to it too much because you're used to it now, especially if you've been driving for a while. But you know, that road by itself doesn't do everything that, that we need a road to do in order for it to be safe. In fact, you probably encountered a stoplight or a stop sign. You may have encountered a yield sign. If there were curves in your road, you may have had a posted speed to make sure that you get around that curve safely. You may have even had a speed limit sign that you passed on the way here. Not sure that they really mean that much, but you probably passed one. <laughs> Come on, where are all my five over people at? How many have the five over rule? You're like, surely they won't pull me over at five over. Yeah, five. Where my 10 is at? Where my 10 people? Yeah, 10. Let's go, 10. Yeah. I used to be five. And then now I have some friends in law enforcement, so I'm like, I can probably get away with 10. 
<laughs> not sure if the name dropping will work, but I'm going to try it. <laughs> hey, y'all, I want you to think of your walk with Jesus like this. He doesn't just give you a path, but he gives you all the information you need as you travel the path. Like there's going to be some times that you come to an intersection and you need to stop. And you need to, you need to let the Lord speak to you in that, in that moment and make sure that you have clarity on which way you're supposed to be going. In fact, if you head into that intersection too soon, there's, an oppor- there's, a, there's a chance that you might get into an accident. You might get blindsided. You might get T-boned. You're going to have some turns along the way that you need to slow down for. Like if you just go careening into those turns and the turn's rated for 35 and you're going 65, like that could end badly for you. There might be some times you're in some busy traffic and there's a lot going on in the world and maybe there's an accident over here and the Holy Spirit wants to kind of make sure that you don't get caught up in that and so there's going to be some traffic cones that he's, and he gets you over into a safe lane and he makes sure that you can get from where you are to where you need to be safely. Can I tell you Jesus loves you with that kind of love that following the way means not just traveling the path but paying attention to everything he's putting on the path, a code of conduct, a way to live, a way to get from where you are to where he wants you to be. Isn't that awesome? He's good to us like that. He gives me everything that I need to travel to him safely. All right, let's go to the next one. And um, not all of you are going to like me after this one. But I owe it to you to be honest and to tell you the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and I am the what? The truth. I am the truth. So the word truth, the Greek word used is the word aletheia. Aletheia. Go ahead and say it. You guys are, you're so smart. You're such a smart church. You got it on your first try. Good job. So proud of you. Bunch of PhDs in the room. That's no wonder. Aletheia, the word truth. Y'all ready for this definition? I kind of had like a moment when I saw this. It literally means what is true in any matter under consideration. What is true in any matter under consideration? In essence, what Jesus is saying is there is absolute truth and it's me. I've got it. You want to know what it is? Pay attention to me. And I, I kind of want to talk about that in the, in, in the, and this is going to be uncomfortable for some of us, but in the tension of, a, of kind of our Western society that we live in right now, and I want you all to make sure that you understand the society we live in is very different from most of the rest of the world. You all know that? Like we don't think it is because in America we kind of think we're the center of the world. But our, our society and our way of life is actually pretty unique when you look at the global population. And so we have some phrases now because we live in, in what is increasingly becoming a postmodern and post-Christian society. Western society is, is predominantly postmodern. It is increasingly post-Christian. And so now you have these I love what John Mark Comer says in his book, Live No Lies. He says, you have people now who want to live with all the benefits 
of Christian morality and values, and they want life to turn out the same way, but with any account, without any accountability to those things. And we don't want to be told what to do, and we kind of live in a society that has made happiness the pinnacle of living, and it's actually immoral for you to say or do anything that interferes with somebody else's happiness. And that's kind of weird. When you look at the, the, the world as a whole and you look at life throughout the thousands of years that humanity exist, has existed, that's kind of a weird thing. And Jesus actually is like saying like, um, hey, y'all, it doesn't work that way. There is absolute, I am absolute. Not me, Michael, but Jesus. He says, if you want to know truth, I've got truth for you. And so there's even like some common phrases that exist in our society today. Like how many of you heard this one? And you don't have to raise your hand because I know some of you are debating whether or not you even want to participate in this conversation. But I just, how many of you heard like this phrase, speak your truth? Speak your truth. And um, even that phrase in our society can have more than one meaning. So, so for instance, it could just mean Tell me your story. What's it like to be you? Like I remember sitting down with my friend, uh, Pastor Mark Poland. He pastors Discover Church up in Philadelphia. And if you put me and Mark next to each other, you guys might notice that we look slightly different. And if you've never met Pastor Mark, I'll, I'll just explain it to you. I don't know if you all know this about me. I don't know if you've noticed this today or if you can see this real clearly, but I'm white. <laughs> I am a Caucasian. And my friend, Pastor Mark, is African-American. And um, I love him. Like, I love him a lot. We're like brothers. And we sat down one day and had a conversation. And I just wanted to hear how life was different for him than it is for me. And I'll never forget when he shared with me that having the talk with your kids meant something entirely different in the African-American community than what it did for me, having the talk with my kids meant talking about sex. And he explained to me that in a lot of the homes of families that attend his church, it means talking to your kids about how to make sure they get home safe at night. What to do if they get pulled over for speeding or to make sure that they don't get arrested and to make sure they behave. It was kind of a mind-blowing moment for me to realize that's, that is absolutely the truth of his reality. How many of y'all know every single one of us experienced life through a different set of circumstances and realities? Can I hear an amen this morning? So I'm good with that. I'm, I'm glad that I was able to hear his truth about the world that he grew up in. But there's another group of people who say speak your truth and what they literally mean is concoct and formulate any reality for yourself that you see fit. And y'all, it's silly. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Especially not when you have Jesus who says, you don't get to decide truth, I am truth. And so it's kind of dangerous, don't you think? In fact, Jesus, he prayed this 
for you. I don't know if you realize, Jesus prayed for you. While he was having his earthly ministry, he prayed for his disciples, he prayed for his followers, and he prayed for you. And he said, Lord, make them happy. No, some of y'all didn't even catch it. You're not even looking at the screen. Some of you are like, yeah, Lord, make me happy. No, no, no. That's not what it says, is it? What did Jesus pray for you? Make them what? Holy. Hol- Uh-oh. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes the pursuit of holiness does not feel like the thing that would make me happiest. Amen. And he says, teach them what? Your word, which is the word logos, it literally means here, God, teach them your collection of words, your narrative It literally means scripture. He says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. So if you're like, okay, if if I want to pursue holiness, Jesus, if I want to pursue truth, how do I do that? He says, I'm so glad you asked. I've actually prayed that my father would make sure that the word is always available to you. In fact, it's on your phone in about a million different translations so that you can get to this thing called what? Truth. And I realize it might alienate some of you, and I want you to know that is not my heart. I love you so much, and Jesus loves you so much. And no matter where you're at or what decisions you're wrestling with right now, no matter what tension is going on in your heart and in your mind, I want you to know that Jesus accepts you exactly the way that you are. He went to the cross on your behalf with no conditions set up on the front end. You get to come to Jesus right where you're at today. I also want you to know that he is lovingly calling you to truth. And he is truth. He is truth. He said, he, Jesus said in, in John 8, 31, it says to the people who believed in him, he said, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to what? My teaching. And you will know what? The truth. And the truth will set you what? Free. I heard a... a A scholar, a psychologist recently say this. He said, the absence of absolute truth is the foundation of chaos. And then he brought his psychology spin to it. He said, chaos is proven to trigger the stress and anxiety response in our brain. So when you and I encounter chaos, something literally begins to happen in our minds that triggers stress and anxiety. I just think, isn't it, I haven't done a scientific study on this, but isn't it interesting the correlation between the rise of make up your own reality, whatever you want it to be, And at the same time, stress, anxiety, mental health are at crisis levels in our country right now. I mean, you're just not gonna be able to convince me that those two things aren't connected. Because we're trying to create realities for ourselves that actually are just chaotic. And we're pursuing happiness as the pinnacle of living. And I'm just telling you, God says, no, 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 no. Holiness is the pinnacle of living. 
Being right with your heavenly father is the pinnacle of living. Even though it might mean that you live in tension sometimes between what the word says, between what the scripture says, and what you're feeling and what you would like to do. But don't worry, one day all of that resolves in this beautiful place called heaven and everything will be made perfect and it'll all make sense. So that means... If he's the way and he is the truth, that means because of Christ, I can have clarity in my life. Y'all, I can know right from wrong. I can know good from evil. I can know holy from unholy. Are y'all okay? You take a deep breath. I am the way, I am the truth. And I'm just telling you to embrace the truth of Jesus and to embrace the word that he prayed you would have and that you would read will at times leave you feeling in tension with the world around you. And as difficult as that is, embrace it. Don't be mean. Stop hanging on to one or two cultural issues and putting everybody on blast but stay in the truth of who Jesus is and the life he's called you to. Even if it conflicts with what something inside of you is crying out for. Because he's the truth. Number three, he says, I am what? The life. And the Greek is the word zoe. Everybody say zoe. zoe. We're past the heavy one now. We're in the fun one. Because what Jesus says, look, if you follow me, if you follow the way, if you embrace the truth of who I am and what the word says, you get to experience zoe, which means of the absolute fullness of life, life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, and come on, everybody say the last one, blessed, blessed. I would like that. Anybody else? That sounds good. So Jesus actually makes it possible to live a more fulfilling life today. And here's what's awesome about this word zoe. It shows up all over the New Testament of your Bible and it's interchangeable. It's used to describe the life that God wants you to experience right now and it is used to, ex to express heaven, the life that is to come. In fact, I'll give you, I'll give you two examples uh, of that. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting what? Life. That's heaven. John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I, may, I have come, Jesus says, that you might have what? Life. life, present tense, and that life to the full. Y'all, when we follow Jesus, when we embrace the life that Jesus has for us, what he's saying is you can experience life right now in a way that you never have before. It's not gonna be perfect, it's not gonna be free of pain, it's not gonna be free of trial and tribulation, but you can have a peace on the inside, you can have a fullness on the inside of you, knowing that you are right with God, and that one day you won't even be here anymore, you'll be in eternity with him. It's good stuff, right? So because of Christ, I have, I have a fulfilled and hopeful life. That is grammatically incorrect, it's driving me crazy. I have a fulfilled and hopeful 
life. Doesn't that sound better? That sound better. Just to be full, to be full right now. You know what? I'm okay. And so here's the question. If this is true, and I believe it is, and Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. What would my response to that be? What is my response to that? And that's why I love, we'll go right back to where we started, the words of Paul. He says, I'm going to tell you my response is I'm not going to make life about me. I'm not going to try to get accolades for myself and pats on my back. I'm only going to boast about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that cross, like I'm not even interested in the stuff I used to be interested in. And the people who used to be interested in me, some of them have had to change too. It's, it's, it's different now. And so I, I have made some decisions because I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And I'm not remaking these decisions over and over again. I've made these decisions and now I'm managing them for the rest of my life. Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I'm tempted to veer off course. But I've made a few decisions based on this idea that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to share these decisions with you, and you can decide if you want to make them too. So because he is the way, come on out, Carlos. I've decided I'm going to follow the way. Like, it's just settled for me. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and decide if I follow Jesus tomorrow. I have decided. That's why I love that song. We sing it around baptism. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've just, like, I've decided. And now I manage the decision for the rest of my life. I've also decided that He brings clarity. So I'm going to live in that clarity. I've decided to live in the truth so that I can experience the life that he's wanted for me all along. I'm going to follow the way. I'm going to live in the truth. I'm going to experience the life. And I'm not re-deciding this over and over again. This is my life. Will it sometimes be difficult? Yes. Will I sometimes manage it poorly and make a mistake? Yes. Will it sometimes in my attempt to share what this life means to me, will I potentially offend another person? that I didn't want to offend? Yes. But I'm not redeciding. I am a follower of Jesus. What have you decided? What have you decided? I want to ask you all to close your eyes. Don't look around right now. I know you're 
you're an hour short on sleep and we're all ready to go get lunch and take a nap, just hang with me for a couple more minutes. If you're in the room today or you're watching online and you would just say, Michael, pastor, I am not a follower of the way. I have not made Jesus Lord of my life. I am not fully surrendered to him. In fact, I've kind of been calling my own shots. But I sense in my heart that that's not going to work out for me. And I sense in my heart this tugging. And that feeling you have right now is not me being good at words because I'm not that good. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's whispering to you right now, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, hey, that's me. I, I, need, to sur- I need to really surrender to Jesus today. I need to follow him. And I haven't, I haven't been doing that. Just real quick, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to make a big scene. Just want to know if you're here so we can pray together. If you say, hey, hey, Pastor Michael, that's me. Would you just, just wave a hand at me real quick? Just throw it up in the air and right back down. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. I see it. Anybody else? So I just need to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody else? I'm so proud of you for doing that. So if you raised your hand today, or maybe you're at home, and if you were here, you would have your hand up. Listen, you don't have to be here to make Jesus Lord of your life. So whether you're here in this room or watching on the other side of those cameras this morning, if you need to make Jesus Lord, I want to just help you with that. Just right where you're at, just tell him. Just pray a simple prayer. You can use these words that I give you. You can just say, Jesus, today. I surrender to you. I've been trying to do life my own way. And I realize that's not going to work. Please save me. Please forgive me. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Teach me to follow your way. Give me your truth. Jesus, I want to experience the life that you have for me, both now and the one to come. I believe you died on the cross, paid a price for my sin. So today, because of this moment now, I get to brag about the cross. I'm saved. One day I'll join you in eternity. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, church family, can we celebrate as heaven gets a little bit bigger this morning? And so awesome. Whitney's going to come and close us out in just a second, but I want you all to stand to your feet first. And I just want to have one more opportunity to pray for you. If you would, just bow your heads and I want to ask one more question. If you'd say, hey, Michael, I'm already, 
a believer. I'm already a Christian. But man, I'm really struggling with the tension of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, especially in the world I live in right now. Sometimes it's scary. And I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit calling me to be a person who more fully embraces the way, the truth, and the life. If that's you this morning, and if you're just being honest, you say, hey, I'm kind of str- I've been kind of struggling with that a little bit. Would you just, just wave your hand real quick? Because I know that's t- it's hard. Yeah, a whole bunch of us. It's hard. So let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, you, you saw every hand. And Jesus, you love us so deeply, and then you, you've kind of put it in us to love even other people. And Gosh, it can be so hard. It can be so confusing at times to understand how to live in that tension. But God, I pray in each and every person's heart today that there would be a, just an uprising in our hearts of, of commitment to you, God of boldness, of of peace. That we wouldn't be people who make decisions out of fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of retribution. Because you did call us, Jesus, to take up our cross. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that the, the boldness necessary for us to live as people who fully follow you, Jesus, that you would give birth to that today in the hearts of your people. God, help us to be people who fully embrace truth, but but help us to learn to be like you, Jesus, fully grace and fully truth at the same time. You were so good at that. Lord, I pray that each and every person would experience the full life that you have, both now but God, even more so that we would look toward heaven, that we would look toward eternity full of hope and expectation, knowing that this life is is temporary. This is not the prize. You're the prize. And we thank you that one day you're waiting for us. Heaven is waiting for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?